Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, my next guest is a guy who's extremely upbeat. Um, but before we get to him and before we get to this podcast, because I like to keep this thing as upbeat as possible, uh, especially in a time like now, man. I mean, this podcast has been helping me so much through this isolation period, but it's getting to a point where it's getting to be pretty dark, uh, what's happening outside. And obviously, the changes need to be made. I completely, I completely agree with that. Um, with what's going on and what happened with George Floyd and, and the peaceful protests and everything else that you know is attached to that. I just want everyone to, to listen to the other side as much as they can. Take a step back, take a breath, process everything that's going on. We will get through this and hopefully we're better as people when we come out of this at the other side. So again, let's get to it. My next guest is a guy who I look up to uh, from afar. He's, he's a guy that had a really parallel career to me. You know, when I look back and think about it, his name is Ryan Spielborgs. Now, I started this podcast and called it The Top Step because some of my favorite memories in the big leagues were standing on the top step of that dugout with teammates and friends, hearing their stories and being inspired by their journeys. And for Ryan, it's funny, as I mentioned his career was pretty parallel to mine, which it really was. He made his... Um, debut in 2005 he only played one game we talk about that in this podcast how tough that is he got called up in july and usually if you're a young player you get called up you get sent back down at some point you go back up or you go back up in september he never went back up in september i didn't even realize that until i started digging into to ryan's career uh before this that's got to be an absolute slap in the face kick in the guts and that's what happened so he went to win a ball next year he got back up in 2006 he has a great story when he was in New York uh, trying to support a teammate, <laughs> which we'll get to. But um, again, this is a guy who's absolutely killing it now. He's broadcasting with the Colorado Rockies. He does their pre and post. He does their color. He does does everything. Uh, and also, he, he works on MLB Network Radio. Great show with CJ Nikowski called Loud Outs. He's killing it on that. He's so fun to watch. And it's easy to see. Again, I've followed this guy from afar. It's easy to see why he's having so much success because he just has that ability to listen to people and to be, like he puts it, be nice to people. There's a, there's a story we talk about. We went to this career summit. Uh, he was emceeing it and uh, he made a comment. He said, you know what? Uh, the reason I'm getting these opportunities, as crazy as it sounds, is because I'm nice to people. I wanted him to elaborate on that because, you know, look, you can go say, say hi to people at your coffee shop and, you know, think you're going to get opportunities. But it's more more than what, and what it seems like on the surface, he makes a great point because that's something in my career that I always needed to do was to listen to people. Doesn't matter. There's no hierarchy. There's no oh, I'm talent. I'm a major leaguer, or yeah, I'm a, I'm a broadcaster. So you have to listen to me. It's a team. No matter what you're on, no matter what industry you're in, you're a team, and everyone around you. First of all, you don't know where they're going to end up. That's number one. I want to tell a story about that before we get into this podcast. And number two. You don't know who people, what power they possess over you and your career or what they're doing or what they've been through the last week or two weeks. You just don't know. You And, and for what's going on outside the door, outside our doors right now, you don't know what people have been through. And there's a reason. It's not just a random act of I'm standing here for some random uh, reason. There's a reason why people are doing what they're doing. And that goes in to this environment as well. But one story for me, and I want to tell this before I get into the Ryan Spielborg's uh, interview. 
I was rehabbing. I can't remember what year it was, but it was kind of midway through my career. And I was rehabbing um, like an elbow injury. It was pretty minor. And like 08, 2009, something like that. And there's a guy next to me. I knew I'd seen him around a bunch. And I'd seen him you know, in the clubhouse and, and just around the traps around Safeco Field, now T-Mobile. And, um, and I'm like, this guy, I don't quite know what he does, but he, you know, seems to be, you know, maybe he's important. It didn't matter at that point. I was a major league baseball player. I didn't care you know, about anyone's role or, or who they were. Or I just wanted to be nice to people. So this is a guy who was laying on the training bed, on the training bed right next to me. And we were just spark up a conversation. And uh, it's funny, later on, and I'll get to the, the later on part in a second, but later on he said, oh, yeah, you were just, you were so easy to talk to and it was great to, to talk to a guy like you. Anyway, but we'd sit there and we'd have conversations. We wouldn't even talk about, uh, you know, what do you do? We just had different conversations about all kinds of stuff. Um, and when years and years later, all of a sudden, I'm in a tough spot where, I'm finishing my career and I'm asking myself, what am I going to do with myself now? I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but it's not that easy. I wanted to broadcast. Absolutely. I wanted to do TV and radio and talk um, about baseball and do what I'm doing right now. But it's not that simple. You don't just roll into that. Anyway, so I contacted the Mariners. I contacted Kevin Martinez and said, who's essentially my boss now, if, if I'm working with the Mariners, I said, I texted him and said, Kevin, I really want to get up there and, and talk to some people about possibly getting, doing some pre and post or whatever, get my foot in the door. And he said, you have to contact Randy, Randy Adamack. I'm like, okay. I'm like, have I met him before? I don't even know if I've met him before. I'm not quite sure. He kept saying Randy Adamack. That was the, the, the guy, the boss. So sure enough, um, I say, okay. So I go up to I go up to Seattle and he said, look, I'll make that introduction and you can meet Randy. All right, I'm meeting this Randy guy. I tried to even Google search him and I couldn't quite find a photo. He walks around the corner. I'm up in Seattle. He walks around the corner. I'm like, boom, that is the guy I spent a month on a training table next to and we hit it off. And straight away, I was like, oh man, <laughs> I'm not, uh, not relieved. I'm kind of relieved in the sense that we hit it off and he said, hey, Ryan, how you doing? I remember the time when we, you were rehabbing your, your elbow and I was, I was like, yeah, man, how you doing? And just that, not, it wasn't effort. It was just listening to people. It was something Ryan Spielberg talks about in this in this interview. But listening to people goes such a long way. And it was just an easy transition. And Randy was willing to give me a chance because he knew me and knew how I was, knew how I was easy to work with. And that's always been something I've reminded myself all the time. Everyone I'm working with, whether it's in the office at Root Sports, you know, or wherever it may be, getting a chance to go over to MLB Network last year and you know trying to push for for, for more time doing doing things on MLB Network or doing stuff with Next Gen Baseball, always listen and listen and listen and listen and find out where this person's coming from because you don't know who you're talking to half the time and they could mean the difference in your career. And Randy definitely gave me plenty of opportunities because of that relationship we had from a time that I really at the time didn't think much of. So anyway, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'll get right to it. Uh, make sure you subscribe, click that subscribe button, uh, leave me a review. Uh, it's really easy to go on Apple or Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. Just leave me a review. That helps this podcast out a little bit uh, to get to so people can other people can reach this podcast. So I'd really appreciate it. give that five stars, uh, give it that review. And um, yeah, make sure you tell your friends all about it. I will put these clips up on the internet. I've also got, and I'm hoping to do the same thing with uh, Spilly's interview right now, but I've also got something really cool coming um, that I think you would really have a good laugh at with the Grant Balfour episode. Um, anyway, I'll get right into it and uh, stay safe out there, guys. Hang in there, take a breath. Um, 
and uh, hopefully, hopefully this next 45 minutes can uh, make it a little bit of a, a, a break from everything that, that we're dealing with right now. All right. Uh, enjoy. This episode of Ryan Spielberg joins me on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Rowan Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Thanks to Hall of Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. As... Billy, buddy, welcome to the show, dude. You and I have had a couple uh, engagements at some events, but uh, yeah. we've never actually had a chance to sit down and have a chat. So this is good, man. Welcome. Well, I appreciate it. I, I love my Aussie buddies. I love having uh, friends with, with different accents. And um, to be honest, I'm really proud of, of how much you've grown in the last couple of years watching you from afar. Uh, in your broadcasting career, and uh, obviously we played against each other. Anytime I faced a lefty, it was going to be a, a guy like you. So um, it's to be honest, like you know, when when you get into baseball from all the different backgrounds, especially with you know where we are right now in today's society, the perspectives that we have from you know playing winter ball with my Latin American teammates to uh, going overseas and playing in Japan. Um, to you know, being around African American players that that have been my teammates for a long period of time, um, you know, seeing our our current landscape and when you find you know, I grew up in Santa Barbara. I grew up in a little coastal town, you know, where surfboards and you know, basically everybody looks like me. Me too. And you know, I mean, and then so you go from you go from a, a college or high school or from Australia, and then all of a sudden you get tossed into a minor league system where now you're you're seeing Latin American players and yeah. Dominicans and Venezuelans and guys from Caribbean that you've never met before and boom beat teammates. And what what's amazing about that for me is you don't know who's going to make it to the big leagues, right? Like oh, yeah. you never you you probably had I bet you you put money on somebody that never even got oh, close. Man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and the amount of times I've heard, dude, he's nasty, man. How is he not in the big leagues? He's like hovering in AAA and there's something that just separates him. You know what I mean? What was it for you? What do you feel like separated you to get you to that next level? Uh, I mean, they, there's a little bit of a, like a give the bleep factor that I have. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't call it a chip on the shoulder. Um, I'm sure I'm like you. I'm highly motivated. Uh, you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, uh, I think we're, I mean, Grant, I, you have to have a skill set. Uh, you have to learn from your skill set. You have to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. I, I think I, I did that really well. But I, I think right, right place, right time. I mean, my, my very first call-up, it was after multiple injuries. You know, like right. it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like I was knocking down the door. I'm the seventh rounder, fourth outfielder. You know, like right. I, I got lucky. And I'm, so I'm I, I was lucky. Speaking of the luck thing, man, I remember Chris Bossio was, he was, you know, pitch of the Mariners, he was a pitching coach and he does this big, does this, you know, like this, um, you know, big meeting with all the minor league pitchers and he, he talked about luck and I'm sitting there as an 18 year old, I'm like, what's he talking about? Like, you know, no, it's the dudes who are studs and the guys who, but it's amazing. Like I literally had to have, like you said, a sequence of injuries to go, you, you down the list. Okay. You're left-handed. Boom. Up you go. And then there I was. And, and 
it's one of those things, man, when you get there, don't screw it up. You get that couple of weeks to make an impression quick at that level. And you got you to tear it up when you get up there for sure. No question. No question. You know, it's funny too. And, and you mentioned that, you know, they don't give a bleep thing about you. And, you know, one thing, and, and we talked about, um, you know, when I first, you know, brought you in, we talked about the couple of times with the interactions we've had at these, these career summits, right? And it's an interesting time because you're emceeing the, those and you do an amazing job. And you have that thing about you that, that, um, you know, the charismatic factor that, that if you're sitting in that room and you're just getting done trying to make that transition out of professional baseball, however many years you've made, if you're sitting in one of those, those seats, you're looking at you going, oh, well, look at the way he talks and, and, you know, this, that, and the other. That's why he got that gig. You know what I'm saying? Like someone contacted you and then you made a comment two years ago. I'll never forget it. You said that I am, I, I'm also nice to people, right? I know how to work with people. And it's amazing because not only is it obviously, you know, working your butt off, being competitive, right? But it's also having that ability to listen to people, give you instruction, take it in and have, the, have that ability to work with people, man. I mean, could, talk to me about that, dude. Like, what do you mean by oh, yeah. when you say being nice to people? Because it's, it's, <laughs> so, it's a broad statement. It's like saying, oh, go to the coffee shop, be nice to people. But it means a lot more than that, right? I, but but it is as simple as that, and I appreciate you uh, bringing up that story because it's true. I, people have asked me so many times, "How did you get your broadcasting gig? Was it because you were a baseball player? Uh, was it because you talk?" And I was like, maybe a little bit. You know, like like I said about making it to the big leagues, I had talent. I, it wasn't like I didn't. I've I've had the ability to speak to people, <laughs> but the reason when I, when I got offered the job, I asked that same question. Cause that, I mean, like I'm intuitive by nature or inquisitive by nature. Yeah. So I was like, why, why did you offer me this? And he said, honestly, Spilly, uh, when you were a player, you were nice to, to the guys that were in that room, you know, the camera ops, um, the A2s, the, the audio techs, all that. I just would say, Hey, how are you? You know, like yeah. you doing all right. Today? <laughs> That's it. That like that, that is legitimately it. And he said, the difference between when we look at a broadcaster, and you understand this now too, we have a, a broadcast group of 35 people at the stadium, you know, yeah. from the different camera ops to our director, to our producer, to silent reporter, to the TDs. I mean, you name the people in the truck and we're a team. And if the talent thinks they're above the team and we've seen that in baseball all the time, right? Yeah. Um, if the group is nice to each other, if you're, if you check in, you're like, Hey, Ryan, you doing all right today? Like for real, I actually care. Yeah. Your family okay? Right. What's going on in Australia? Are the fires, you know, like, are, is your family safe? That's what it means to be nice. Yeah. Just like I'm sure you do when you, when you go to a major league clubhouse, I do it all the time. I take a circle around the entire clubhouse just to say hi to people, yeah. just to check in because I don't want people thinking I have an ulterior motive because I don't. Gotcha. I just want you to know that I'm here. Like, I'm not anything special. I'm, I, I'm literally, I, I just care. I, yeah. when, if I get a chance to see you, I care. I'm going to pay attention. And that, that got me a job for real. You know, what's funny about that is like, I always notice this. If you had like these vendors coming in, someone from Nike come in or, or someone, you know, from like a glove company come in you, for some reason, I don't know what it is. And I'm talking guys who'd never played in that day in the big leagues. They come in and they sort of have this, the the talent is above whoever's around them. For me, I look. I grew up in Australia, so it was easy. If I had a Nike rep coming over to me, I was like, dude, like 
you're coming to talk to me and you're going to give me this, this stuff and we're going to have a relationship. So it was natural for me. And I was like inquisitive and to the sense of how does all this work? Cause I wanted to learn how that worked, like how to work with players and, and, but it's amazing. It's, I guess it's easier said than done because I saw a good majority of baseball players just make that fatal mistake where they felt like they had to sort of, you know, um, put their guard up, like, you know, or act big time in a sense. Right. I, that was like the one part and you get this, when you get in that room, you have these blinders on where you think you are. And I get it. Cause the, our, our careers, as long as we think they're going to be, they're really short. And the, the swings, I'm sure you felt the same way that when I retired from baseball is the best I slept in, in years because yeah. all that pressure of, of trying to complete, you know, constantly perform worrying about your job worrying about getting a hit worrying about all these things it was gone and so when you're when you're in that place of constantly fighting and focusing on yourself on your craft it is you you become like a you almost become a fake version of yourself a, yeah. a blown up version and i and i totally understand it when guys get to that point but if you can if you can remind them like to be cool to say hi to people like you're not that great or you are great but you know don't forget yeah, you're going to be a human for a lot longer than you are a baseball player. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think people can redo their careers and still be laser focused to their routine yeah. while being a better person. Absolutely, hundred percent for sure. Um, also, too, you know, l- looking at your career, right, and talk about that transition. And, and you, you know, you get up and your MC, and the event's awesome. The, the Players Association, you know, put it on. Um, and it's basically just an opportunity if, if you're trying to make that. Tra- it's hard, man. It's hard to transition out of the game. It really is. Because I think people, you know, first of all, if you're a player, anticipate, oh, this organization is going to call me, bring me back as a scout. It just doesn't happen. They just don't. There's a, like a, a pile of this thick. I was talking to the farm director of the Mariners. He goes, dude, there's like a pile of this thick of applications. That's just the way it goes. But for you, you know, 2012, 2013, was there that fear factor of what the hell am I going to do? Or you basically knew you're on a path. This is what I want to do next. I had no idea. I, I mean, I was playing in Japan and uh, my wife and I were, were not in a good place. I mean, I was gone for six months in, in Tokyo. My yeah. family was out there for two and I didn't see him. I, I became a FaceTime husband, FaceTime dad. Yeah. And it was really, really difficult to be honest. Like if I kept playing, if I wasn't playing in the States, uh, and I had to go back to Japan. I think my life would be totally different. I don't think my wife would have hung around for another year. So, how, how old were uh, your kids when you were, when you were in Japan? Two and three. So my son was two. My daughter was three. Yeah. My daughter got like uh, some weird rash over there, and what what ended it for my my wife in Japan? We loved it. We had such a great time when we were together. Um, but my daughter had a rash, and she goes and and I'm in the minor league system at the time, so I don't have a translator. Mm-hmm. So she has to go. I'm out the field. She had to go to the doctor by herself with no car on a bike with two kids. She goes the rash. The the doctor gives her a prescription, speaks to her completely in, in Japanese and hands her this prescription. And she's like, what is this? And uh, he gives it to her again. And she's like, what is it? I don't know what this is. Uh, yeah. And uh, we come home. She's trying to read it. It's, you know, it's Dr. Chicken Scratch. So she has no idea. And uh, she loses it. She, she just broke yeah. down. And uh, I told her, I was like, look, I don't know what it is. I bet you it's nothing. I bet you it's uh, some sort of detergent rash or whatever. Right. But I understand it. You know, go home. Go home. Yeah. And they did. They, they went home. So right. um, my career path, 
I didn't know it at the time that it was over. Uh, and it was just happenstance. I get a phone call uh, in the off season right at the beginning saying, hey, are you interested in, in being a broadcaster? I'm like, no, I'm a baseball player. You're um, right. Yeah. And, and then it started a conversation. And I, I literally, honestly, I, wait, I, I sat on it for four months before I actually made my choice to move on. I worked out the entire off season like I was going to be a baseball player. Right. Um, in January, I decided to move on. Yeah, I am. Um, it's funny because everyone, it, with for me, for example, the Mariners, you know, everyone thought that I got all these phone calls. Hey, you want? But I actually reached out to them and said, "Hey, you know, a couple of years ago, you mentioned this," and so I went up to Seattle for like a week. And at that point, because you're so, you know, you're so naive, you think that oh, I smashed it. You know, on one show, I went, I did a pregame show and I smashed it. They're just going to call me. Then I went to spring training the next year because at that point I was still playing. Go to spring training the next year and I'm in the booth and everyone's telling me how good I am because it's easy just to say, oh yeah, you're good. You know, who knows if I was good or not? It's just one of those things. It's really doesn't, you know, they're not going to say, oh, you're sucked. And I'm sitting back expecting phone calls like, oh, hey, come join the team. But there's already people in place. Like, oh, yeah. they've already committed X amount of games and everything else. I had to basically beg to say, hey, look, can I just get 10 minutes? And you know who helped me is a guy you're on the radio on MLB Network Radio with is CJ Nikowski. You know, making that, making that, that, having that, you know, bleep at moment, right? You know, we talked about that at that, um, at that summit back in, when was that? Uh, December. But I contacted mm-hmm. CJ and I said, hey, man, like, you know, help me out. And usually I'm expecting, oh, well, hey, you know, you know do all, write a, write a blog or do this stuff. And all. He, he said, come meet me. He was in, in uh, LA. He said, come meet me. He sat me down. He goes, listen, man, this is how it works. You have to, and this is before I started begging. He goes, you have to contact him and beg him and say, I'll do this. I'll do it for free, blah, blah, blah. Do all these little things. And I was like, man, all right. But that was that moment. CJ helped me out a ton. I just kept calling and they said, I'll oh, come down. And then that turned into, you know, hey, come up for five days. And kept, boom, 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 it just it snowballed from there. But I think people just, if you played baseball, you played in the big leagues, that you were just going to get all these opportunities. It's just not the way it works. Uh, you got to bang down doors just like we did when we were athletes. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. It's the same, uh, same mentality too. If, you, if you're not willing to put the work and effort in or take yeah. feed, feedback, it's like I, I say this about uh, broadcasters or anybody doing, it, doing this thing. As a baseball player, you would watch your film after every game and you would dissect what you did. Why wouldn't you do that if your career now is talking? Why wouldn't you do that if your career now is, is in front of a camera? Right. Yeah. You, you, don't want, you don't care about your swing. You don't care. You're just going to go out there and just go. It uh, doesn't work that way. So you have to have critical feedback and it has to be from yourself as well. Hey, talk about your first year. Your first year in the big leagues was 05, right? But really 2006. It was like an espresso shot. 2006 was the year. Yeah. You came up when you, you played in one game in 05. Yeah. What month of the year was that? It was July. So Ooh. I got one, one game in July and that was it. And I was so, back down. On so no September call up. No, I was, I was upset about that. I ended up playing winter ball um, just to prove to the, to the Rockies organization that I was, that I was good. That's going to uh, be rough, dude. I was, I was upset uh, to be honest. I was really upset. And again, it's like, you have to have a little chip. I had a humongous chip because I was like, dude, people don't think I'm that good. Yeah. So I got to keep playing. And that's what I did. Uh, I played winter ball even as a big leaguer. So I played winter ball for five years in uh, Ciudad Obregón just to prove people that I could play. 
Yeah, I th- man, that, it's so tough. And you go out for one game, and I've spoke to guys. You know, I went up my first call up. I went up. I didn't pitch. I got sent back down, and I was like, "Oh, that's going to be my story, dude." I'm going to tell kids, "Hey, I got to the big leagues." They're like, "No, you didn't." We're like rounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to be me. But 2006, you were, before we got on air, you're talking about a story with you. Now, now, your name, by the way, is hard to spell. I'm not going to lie. That's why it's easy. Just <laughs> oh, Spilly. Oh, do you know Spilly if I'm texting someone? Or, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Spilly said this because I've got no chance of saying Ryan Spillbooks because I'll have to go Google, make sure I've got Don't it. Don't even try it. <laughs> Don't even try it. So uh, this is where it came to a head for me. I was in, uh, I was, I'm in New York getting a chance to play and it's during the Mets uh, 1986 reunion. So it's 20 years later. So it's 2006, right. sometime in August. And uh, we get our butt kicked by, by the Mets. And all the greats from that Mets team are there. Daryl Strawberry, Keith Fernandez is on the field, Ron Darling, right? Jesse Roscoe is from Santa Barbara. Uh, and on Sunday, so after every single game at Chase Stadium is a sellout, Sunday we're getting our butt kicked again. And it's the day game. And uh, I'm sitting on the top row, and, and Todd Helton's on deck. And uh, this guy – Great seats right behind us. He's wearing out Todd Helton. Hey, Helton, you're the biggest waste of money in National League. And just like nonstop New York accent. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, man, that's a great guy. Like, he's awesome for our game. How many months months into the big – like, you were still a rookie there, right? Two months into my career. And so I'm standing next to Matt Holiday and Garrett Atkins, and they're like, oh, geez, here we go. Uh, and the, and the, the Mets fans are like, what would you say? What's your name? Spilligus? Spilligus, you don't even bleep and play. Don't even shower. Go straight to the bleeping bus. And my teammates <laughs> lose their freaking mind. Everyone's going like, oh, he's right. Like, you don't play. Don't even shower. So for the rest of the year, people call me Spilligus. And I, oh, that I, I wasn't allowed to shower and just go straight to the bleeping bus. And this is 2006, too, where if you're a rookie, you keep your mouth shut, dude. Like, you, know, you haven't sit on the couch in the clubhouse, right? That's how it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're, either, you're either in the batting cage, workout room, or you're sitting at your chair. Dude, I used so, to. Oh man, I used to, I used to sit and just wait till that kitchen got clean, cleared out, and I'm like, oh, I can go and get my little my, my scraps after that because, dude, that's how it is, man. I mean, it literally, it's different now, though, right? Like, so speaking of like the the getting on the rookie side of things, when you walk in the clubhouse, do you feel like it's different? I mean, I'm watching dudes with like two months hat on backwards, flicking through the channels. Is it like that with the Rockies? Uh yeah, it is. And it what's what's interesting, and you tell me. I, I believe that you have to earn stripes. Mm-hmm. I believe you have to put in the work and effort. Yeah. Um, but I also look at it in, in a strange way, like where I'm trying to educate myself. I'm trying to understand, uh, like we talked about at the very beginning, everybody comes from different backgrounds. Everybody's different. How you respect things, yeah. like how yeah. I respect something is going to be probably a little more formal than somebody else. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just because of my, my upbringing. Yeah. And why not create an environment where if you're brash and you are outgoing and you made it to the, you made it to the big leagues, man, like you're in the big leagues. This is what you've been working your entire life for. You're not allowed to enjoy it until you put in a certain amount of time, you know, like, so I get it. I get it. I get it. But there was time, there was times like, really, do I have to stand out here in the cold? Just let me get on this plane, dude. Like, come on. Cause that bus is 20 minutes. That second bus, 20 minutes away. Let's go. Like, seriously, that's a joke. 
But here, here's, here's the aspect too. If players are going to act a certain way and be given certain rights, you know, wear their hat backwards or yeah. flip-flops, yeah. Listen, regardless of the amount of service time, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But you better know when a, when a player that's been in that clubhouse for 10, 15 years, you better know his name. Yeah. You, better know, yeah. you better know the people that have come before you. Better, I, I want you to have a good understanding of the rich history of our game. Yeah. Right? For sure, know who, 100%. Know who came before you. Yeah. Know who established these kind of rituals. And I'm not asking you to kiss anyone's feet. Just recognize that guys have done this so you can have those opportunities to wear your hat yeah. backwards. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Winterball earlier. I think what helped me out, when because you've got a melting pot of people from all over the world. I remember I was 18 years old, come, come over, and all the all – the, you know, the Americans listen to was country music. I'm like, I hate country music. I can't stand it. I don't <laughs> mind it now, but I'm like, get this off. But it slowly sort of, you know, it, it grew on me a little bit. And then when I went and played winter ball, if I just threw in a little bit of effort to learn a little bit of Spanish, boom, I was in, man. I, I, I had buddies all over the place. And it's funny, Adrian Beltre, I played with him for a couple of years and he would go and tell the young minor leaguers, he'd say, guys, just, just learn English. It's just going to be so much easier to you know, to, to, op to open those floodgates so everyone, you know, can be a part of a team. He was so big on, on, that, on that chemistry. It was awesome. When he left, man, it, it, a, a lot of things changed when he left. Because well, he, he, not that he was policing, but he just had that, that intuition to say that if you learn a couple of these words and then you learn a couple of their words, boom, all of a, the bus rides that you're on 50% of the time is so much easier. I, I have been begging for organizations organizationally like if i ever had a chance to, to run operations um i'm teaching all my players spanish and i'm teaching my spanish players english yeah. i i don't think it's fair that a spanish-born player um comes to the states and they have to learn right. english yeah. where you've been born in the states and you don't have to learn their language yeah that's not cool like if i want to be a good teammate to your point I'm going to learn your language. I want to be able to say, hi, how are you? Yeah. What's going on? Um, I want to get past the traditional formalities of hello and goodbye. You know, I want to know like your family. Okay. Your wife. Okay. How's your daughter? You know, like, yeah. and, and yeah. I, that's, that's the part where you want to really bring people together again, going back against the backdrop of, of what's going on in our, in our world, learn how to speak to each other, you know, yeah. spend it, put some effort, put some effort, to learn someone else's language. That's the nicest thing you can ever do to show respect is that I'm going to put time and effort so I can talk to you. Yeah. Hey, speaking of elephant in the room, relationship between the owners and the players right now, what, what's your take on everything that's going on? Um, I feel like we're, we're miles apart. I feel yeah. like, um, I feel like the CBA is being negotiated a year too soon. Uh, this this should be treated as a pandemic because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're having record numbers of unemployment. Uh, you know, GDP numbers are down at, at you know, Great Depression numbers. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in the midst of, of just a bad, we're in a bad place economy with the economy, with mental health, everything yeah. across yeah. the board. And we're watching a, an industry argue semantics we're, we're watching an in industry argue about finances that are irrelevant at this time right now defer it have this argument a year from now yeah um the, what's going on right now is going to have a ripple effect for multiple years for for somebody to say that 
um, this, it, we're not going to see any repercussions next year. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to me, it's, it's, if, if health and wellness is truly your number one, you know, condition, then focus on that. If that's resolved, the finances, they always take care of themselves. I get risk. You and I get this. Like yeah. your, your career could end like that. And so um, owners will be owners longer than players will be players. So that's, that's, that's the argument, right? And so if you are trying to push this game forward for the betterment of the game, you figure out a way to play. Yeah. Uh, and this is not a negotiation for CBA. And that's, that's, that's my stance of, uh, has always been, but you know, based on history, the, the players don't believe the owners plain and simple. Nobody yeah. does. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly. I think there's, there's got to be a level of transparency here from on both sides, even, you know what, this is a time where you said it's, it's so unique. It's not a CBA time whatsoever. It's a time where it's like, all right, guys, we're in a, we're in a tough spot. We both know it. Let's be transparent. You, you show me exactly like open up those books to the owners and say, all right, how much, how much money are we going to lose? And you, how do you forecast this? You guys are, you guys are obviously smart businessmen. You're obviously successful people. You can forecast this and that show me your plan. Show me what, how your budget looks and we'll tell you where we're coming from and, and just team up somehow as opposed to the us against you and the whole button heads because it is absolutely not the time but you're right man just the ripple effect and everything that's attached to baseball including you and me i mean you and me are not we're not i mean you're you're doing radio right now but you can't do any tv pre and post like you usually would there's so many things attached to it you know what i mean so it's it's that's a crazy time it's, it's a crazy time that you're right like the last little thing this is not an argument for players and owners like yeah. we are in the argument you and i we our livelihood depends on it. Grounds crews yeah. depend on it. Clubbies depend on it. Uh, scouts, amateur scouts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, businesses, bars, restaurants, parking lots, parking lots. <laughs> I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. Freelancers. It's it, it's not it's not seven hundred fifty players versus thirty owners. Yeah. Um, this is a this is an industry that impacts tens of thousands of workers, seasonal workers, and people right. like ourselves. Hey, you know, on, on, on a lighter note, dude, because you're a pretty upbeat guy. Uh, when I'm around you, the times we've been at those, those, um, those career summits and, and watching you do your thing, I need to get upbeat here. What, what biggest, give me a couple of highlights, the biggest highlight in your career. Uh, baseball so career. baseball career was watching uh, Todd Helton hit a home run, uh, September 18th, 2007. That's my right. biggest highlight is watching somebody else hit a home run. Yeah. Um, just because of what that guy meant to me, he was a great mentor in, in that team. It was it was amazing. You guys um, still stay in touch? Yeah, I sent him a text message the other day. That reminds right. me, like I got to do better about staying in touch with teammates. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. All right, broadcasting. You know, you've talked about Vin Scully before. Is that your highlight? What, what, what do you th- what's, tell us that story? And then if if that's your highlight, otherwise, give me something else. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. So, um, I grew up in Southern California. The voices in my head as a broadcaster now, I hear Vince Scully and Chick Hearns. Chick Hearns was the, was the basketball broadcaster for a bunch of years for the Lakers. And uh, getting a chance to meet Vince Scully is, you know, a true pleasure as a broadcaster. And the very first time I played at Dodger Stadium, I asked my parents to record the game. And they were like, why? You, you played on a, you played at Dodger Stadium before. And I go, it's not because I'm playing at Dodger Stadium. It's because I want to hear Vince Scully. Yeah. And so Vin, <laughs> I listened back and Vin's like, uh, 
here comes Ryan Spielborgs, a 25-year-old from UC Santa Barbara. Went to Santa Barbara, which is about 90 miles north, and played with Skip Schumacher. You know, like, yeah, and yeah. it was really cool to hear him say that. And like five years later, I, I you know, catch myself on a on a replay, and I was like, Ryan Spielborgs from 90 miles north of LA from UC Santa Barbara, yeah. teammate with Skip Schumacher. I was like, you're saying the same thing, Vin, um, but. <laughs> I, I had a chance to interview him and he gave me some of the best life advice um, ever. And he goes, you know what you have that nobody else has? I was like, no, I don't. And he goes, the, the same thing I'm going to tell you is what Red Barber told me uh, after he got the job um, with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He says, what you have that nobody else has is yourself. You're you. Don't ever try to be someone else you're not. Don't ever try to listen or take parts of other people to incorporate it into you tell the story the way you would tell it um re re rely on your experiences and it was fascinating because you know like i think in our minds we want to be somebody you know you might want to be well isn't that isn't that tough to do sometimes though because i know from broadcasting for me i want to be taken seriously and it's so stupid because i've had you know people say hey be yourself be yourself and and you know eric burns says hey that aussie accent but i'm like i need to hide the aussie accent because i want to sound pro you know what i'm saying and and i know deep down that that's ridiculous but you want to sound like you belong in a sense and then you just you just fall straight into that same you look like everyone else and i can't afford to do that because i haven't played 20 years in the big leagues you know what I mean? No one's going to take me seriously if I just sound like everyone else. It's, 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 isn't, that, isn't that a battle though? To, to Early on, you're obviously now you're pretty established and you do your thing and you know, dance around on set. There's a clip of you. I remember it kept popping up because we get all your feeds. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I, think it, I think there's a – that's why broadcasters – one last little part on Vince Scully and then I got to get going. Yeah, yeah. Um, I asked him about the 1988 call, the, the home run, the year that has been so improbable, the Dodgers have done the impossible, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. it's an incredible line. Yep. And I asked Vin, I said, how did you come up with that? And he said, Ryan, that took me 30 years. Wow. So it's such a great, it's, yeah. it's a great perspective to understand that, you know, like you're going to get better. Being a broadcaster is a craft. It's not a talent. Mm -hmm. um, we get better. You know, it's just like anything else. 10,000 hours, our voices will sound different. We will probably lose some of our crutch words. We might expand as we read more, as we watch more games. We, we understand timing. We understand how uh, the cadence of another person talking to you is. And so you're going to get better as long as you do it. Yeah. Um, and maintaining who you are, I think, is the most important critical part. That's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, he's a guy that just has that art form. But hey, look, I know you got to get going. I appreciate you squeezing me in, champion. You, isn't it amazing? I feel like you, and you probably can agree with this. You just way, just the busy work that goes on, even when because you, you think, oh, I'm going to be quarantined. I got nothing to do. I just watch Netflix all day. All of a sudden, boom, the workload goes through the roof because you got all these different things you got to manage, right? Yeah, oh, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Uh, but I appreciate this time. This thing was awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the podcast pop out. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Appreciate it, buddy. See you, buddy. See you, Jimmy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Top Step. Hopefully gave you a little breather uh, from what is happening around the world. 
right now, whether you're listening from Australia, Canada, a couple of you guys in Japan or across the US. Um, next week, we've got Matthew Boyd, the ace of the Detroit Tigers, the big lefty. He's actually from here from Seattle, so I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, and also, too, I've got something that's really cool I'm very proud of coming up really soon regarding um, the Grand Balfour episode, a little story that I've added some character to but uh, i don't want to give too much away so make sure you you look out for that it's probably going to be on social media or youtube or something like that i've got to figure out where to put it but uh, in the meantime click subscribe review this podcast if you can tell your mates tell your friends tell your buddies and i will catch you next week thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you next week on the top step